is it. We are recording. I was told we're recording. It's episode 294. That's 294, folks. No Laugh Track podcast. I'm here at Acme Comedy Company in Minneapolis. It is their podcast. I'm just here to host. I am here. We counted it up. We agreed three times. This is the third time, Ryan Scouts. I thought this was going to be episode 493, and that's a call back to the last episode. It is! The last episode that Wait we did. Wait a minute. Did you, re- did you listen back again? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Do you know how few people do that? do that? No one does that. Well, this is one of the only podcasts where like, I feel like we're supposed to talk about comedy. Yeah. And because I can get very repetitive, I want to know, <laughs> well, what did I actually say about comedy the last time? Yeah. And uh, by the way, the first few, I'd say the first 30 minutes of our last podcast, what episode was that? Oh, uh, I wrote it down. Yeah. One, one, eight, seven. Oh, on the motherfucking cops. See? Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. The first 30 minutes of that was an intense, in-depth exploration of stand-up comedy interesting we, we covered too, a lot add. of of philosophical things and mm-hmm. uh we banged out some real some real hard theories mm-hmm. um i listened back to it as well yeah yeah so i was i was sure that if we just talked and i didn't listen to that stuff i would say a bunch of that stuff oh, again. Okay. okay i was sure of it we we started last time talking about what is the comedian's job yes and there was something that we didn't get into that i thought was interesting um i was considering when you look back on a person's life, you know, after they've passed away, yeah, and you say, what was their job? You would look at what they made. You know what I mean? Absolutely you would. So, oh, yeah. So that's one way to define he the was comedian's a baker. job. Well, what, what jokes did he tell? Yeah. So it almost becomes the comedian's job to, when you... When you're done with comedy, you're basically turning in a list and you're saying, this is the list of jokes that made people laugh yeah. while I was alive. I'm not saying these jokes are good now or they're good forever. This is just the list of what made people laugh while I was alive. And if you want to see the jokes that didn't make people laugh, like I could give you those, but nobody wants them. <laughs> right. You know, because I, I wrote a lot of those too. Mm-hmm. And uh, it's just not as valuable a list. How about the people that put one last joke on their tombstone to be known for that? <laughs> oh, see, terrible. Bad shelf life. Yeah. Jokes don't have a good shelf life. You don't want to be known for that joke. No. People just go, ugh, who is this person? Right. With this old timey joke on there. What does that even mean? It's 200 years later. What does that mean? <laughs> Who's OJ? What's cracking? What do you mean cracking? <laughs> right. Popping, popping off at what? What does popping off mean? I still don't know. <laughs> when you uh, now, I qu- if when you listen back to a podcast, do you listen in real time or do you speed it up like I do? No, I listen in real time. You do. Huh? I'm now. I'm worried that this sound. Can people hear that? You think? I mm, I I'm doubt it. Put it on the floor. Yeah, there you go. <laughs> like you I did. do that just because I'm going to knock it over if I put it anywhere. Oh, yeah, closer to me. No, I'm going to sip every three seconds. <laughs> <laughs> when I listen back to podcasts, I do it at least a half speed faster. Oh, okay. Yeah. I think because I don't often listen to podcasts and because I listen to things fairly intently, I'm a, a better audible learner than I am anything else. Yeah. And uh, I think that's what attracted to me to stand up specifically, which was it was people standing and talking. Mm-hmm. I didn't need a bunch of fancy visuals. I didn't need a bunch of <laughs> anything else. I could just sit and listen. Even in college, I didn't really take notes. If I just sat there with my arms crossed looking at the professor listening, I would retain most of it. Really? Yeah. Oh, I'm the, I've got to write stuff down yeah if i don't write it down i just read something today that it was uh if you want to remember things there needs to be 10 minutes of silence 
Mm. Have you ever heard that? I have not heard that, but I believe it because I I was never one to put in the earbuds and listen to a lot of music. If I heard something that I thought was interesting, I would always go, oh, I, I need some time to think about that. I would go for a walk or I'd just sit back and I'd be in silence and I would consider it. Yeah. And uh, hearing that science is like, oh, that's that's a good way to remember things. I'm like, oh, that's why I remember all this garbage. Yeah, there you <laughs> I go. I remember a lot of stuff. <laughs> And every once in a while, it comes in handy. But when I listened back to this podcast, it was interesting to me thinking about when we did it was February 2016. Mm -hmm. So I had been, I had decided just as an experiment to be sober for, you know, I had been sober since like uh, the end of December. Okay. So I'd been sober for like a month. And uh, that's after years of going on the road and drinking. Yeah. And uh, I never drank before shows. It was always more of a celebratory thing. Mm -hmm. And I was never a problem drinker in that I, w I was never missing appointments. You know, I wasn't uh, getting into fights. I wasn't hurting myself, falling downstairs. But I was consuming a lot of booze. And I think that stuff just got into my fat cells and into my bloodstream and into all of my visceral organs that... When I was speaking with you, I was just starting to detox a little bit. Interesting. And I could just tell in my voice that I was rushing and I was kind of uh, having problems putting sentences together just a little bit. Really? And things devolved really quickly for me. What do you mean? <laughs> well, after about four months, uh, I, I just, I was having violent mood swings. I was driving down the street in Los Angeles. I was just driving down Vine Street going south. And I was like, yeah, you know, life's good. Life's going to work out. Life is... Life is a good thing. And then I'd turn right onto Melrose and then I'd just go, I'm going to kill myself. Like it was just that quick. Jeez. And I would start laughing because people warned me, oh, you might start having mood swings if you're just going to detox. And when I would notice those, they were intense. Whoa. And there would be some times where I would just not know what to do in life and I'd go and lie on my bed for three hours and stare at the ceiling. Yeah. But after about eight months things were really out of my system my metabolism kicked back in like i was 22 years old again i was just consuming food and just burning it off yeah losing weight and uh after after probably about a year then it was like oh now this is like clarity that sober people have oh and by the way i was only doing this as an experiment mm -hmm. and i went through it and i was like i don't know if i ever want to go through that ever again I might just stay off of booze. So that's what happened. Really? Yeah, no booze, no drugs. I was even trying to avoid caffeine for a while. Um, my girlfriend can't eat gluten, so um, I was trying to avoid gluten. Oh, boy. And uh, sugar. She doesn't do any refined sugar, so I was trying to cut that out, too. And uh, just, just getting all that stuff out has really just... I don't know. It's given a level of clarity and a, a level of... Uh, questioning of what I want out of life and what I need and how am I going to get it that's uh, a lot less frantic than it used to be. <laughs> wow. Yeah. Yeah. I got to say, uh, my wife and I and you and your girlfriend could never, uh, I could never have you guys over for dinner. I would have no idea what to feed you. <laughs> I never know. Well, and it's a choice. No, no clue. It's a oh, choice sugar, for uh, me. Mm, gluten. Uh, okay. Uh, yeah. My girlfriend, she be she has an autoimmune disorder, so she can't have certain things. Sure, and so it's not a choice for her. It's it's a she's going to feel awful if mm -hmm. she if she violates her diet. Sure. Whereas I I get antsy sometimes, and I'm like I've been playing along with this girl's diet for for months now. I'm going to go have a donut. Yeah. 
and I will cheat. Okay. Absolutely. Um, but yeah, it's just been, it's been very strange, especially, especially now, like going into dark nightclubs and bars where there's booze everywhere. Oh, yeah. I don't even recognize it anymore. I don't even, it doesn't even register like, oh, there's booze here that I could drink. It's just gone. Mm-hmm. And what I noticed was there are a lot of sober comedians in their late thirties, early forties. Yeah. Because they all just kind of reached that point of like, oh, yeah, I did that. I always think of it as I didn't quit drinking. I finished. I drank all of it. I drank my life worth. <laughs> and then uh, we're done with it now. Have you swapped stories then with other people that, are do- that have done this same thing? Um, not so much. I mean, just a little bit of what I told you with the, the mood swings. What was very interesting was somebody explained to me, like, with neuroscience, your, your neural pathways are kind of lined with all sorts of stuff. And mine were lined with booze for a long time. You know, as those neural pathways were developed when you learn a new skill or a new fact you know whatever gets two neurons to fire and your body to like make a movement um that's a neural pathway and when the booze started getting sucked out of my system some of those neural pathways started to corrode a little bit like i was washing dishes and you know you wash a dish and you put it in the drying rack like you have that movement down right oh i'd wash a dish and then slam it against the side of the sink and break it oh i would drop things all the time like my body had to relearn things i was on stage i would just go blank on stage is this what happens is this is what happening to me when i cut a corner too close yes and i walk in you know you know what i'm talking about maybe like I walk into a corner of a door like, yeah how, how the fuck i saw it 20 feet back <laughs> why am i walking into the side of a? why am i cutting it too close yeah well, how did i end up this cocky yeah um, <laughs> this cocky yeah now, I'm, I'm you'll sure get out of my way workout yeah <laughs> i i would be worried if you're running into doorways consistently throughout the day it's not that consistent no, yeah no no yeah. Bru- no visible bruises I don't but it was like just anything. surprising to me like on stage going blank was something that was very new to me that had never happened but whatever those neurons were that needed a fire to get me to the next joke that pathway was corroded and it just was not and somebody told me they were like oh you just need to relearn things and when you relearn it the pathway will strengthen itself again there's this biological substance called myelin and people are very obsessed with it because it's it's essentially anytime you learn something um the pathway gets reinforced with this biological substance and then if you don't do that activity it starts to erode okay so like if you think of lebron james on the free throw line that movement of his you know his calf muscles flexing then going up on his toes and then his arm flicking the ball and it spins and goes into the net he's done that so many times that those pathways just fire perfectly sure but if you sat him on the bench and just fed him cake for like two months when he went to do that again, he wouldn't be as efficient at it. Even though he's done it so often in his life, he'd still be way better than you or I would, but he would be significantly less than he was two months prior. Could you do this same analogy with like a with sex? If you're not doing it for a while, you forget you forget how. I think there's sex is such an activity that has a lot of variables that I wonder if. You certainly couldn't do it if you... Wait, no, I only just do it one way. You do one way with the same partner, is the is the thing. In the same location. That's right. Yeah. Um, after the same activities of the day. Uh, pretty much. We've made it ritualistic. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, we do it after the price is right, and... Uh, wheel. Wheel of Fortune. Wheel. We do it after wheel. What time does wheel come on here? 6.30. Okay. It's early here. Yeah, it's yeah. early. 
Uh, it's very strange that in different parts of the country, Jeopardy and Wheel of Fortune, just different times. Jeopardy, 4.30 here, or maybe yeah. 4. Yeah. yeah, that's when it is, like in Austin, where my brother is, because they go to a bar and they do, uh, they do Jeopardy as a group. And it's fascinating to watch because different drunks have their categories sure. that they're good at. <laughs> right. And if you, can, if you can look at the final Jeopardy category and guess the answer blind, they give you two shots. Yeah. Love it. Yeah. Love it. That keeps them coming back. But if you get final Jeopardy right after getting the question right, you get one shot. Hmm. Yeah, yeah. So guessing is more valuable than... Well, you have to guess blind, yeah. but yeah, yeah. They, they reward you for knowing the answer. That makes sense. Sure, and, why and not? I think only for their select group. I don't think this is open to the public. I think it's for the people that are there every single day watching Jeopardy, getting drunk. Yeah, day, yeah. not week. Day. day. Yeah. Uh-huh. Weekday. Uh-huh. <laughs> They're in there a lot. You know, I got to say that uh, you're, you're saying this stuff about, you know, cutting out all of these stimulants and uppers and downers and everything and food um you know who's here next week uh who is it shane moss oh yeah who one night is doing his mind you know altering show right yeah the complete opposite yeah well yeah. shane shane has a, a hobby with that stuff it's a lifestyle yeah it's, he's very interested in altering his mental state yeah whereas i'm like what is the baseline for our mental state where's the baseline yeah because if you don't know where the baseline is, I don't know how you can gauge how far away from it you are. Yeah, that's true. Um, and because I hadn't known the baseline probably since I was 16 or something. And even then, I had all sorts of puberty hormone issues going on like we all did at 16. Right. I don't think we could call that a baseline. No. So, uh, yeah, I had that that kind of epiphany in my early 30s going, man, have you ever had just like a normal brain? Maybe that's the problem with a lot of us in America right now. Like, we've never just had the normal brain. Your parents drink? Did they? Do they? They, my my parents almost never drank. Like, it would be a wild night if my mom had two margaritas. Yeah. And it was almost always on a Friday. If we went to some Mexican restaurant uh, growing up in El Paso, Texas, a lot of Mexican restaurants, a lot of really great margaritas. I bet. Um, they, would, they would have one. You know, they'd go and have some sangria. Maybe one, yeah. But not only being frugal, but my dad has diabetes, so he was. Ne- he I've never seen him drunk in my life. Yeah, I've never seen my parents drunk. Either. Yeah, my mom. She'd have two drinks, and then she'd get giggly and uh, a little loud and playful. But never, I've never seen her have more than that. Yeah. Uh, so yeah, I didn't. I didn't exactly come from. <laughs> I don't have horror stories about drunk parents. My dad, if he had like a diabetic, like if his blood sugar got too too low, he'd stumble around and right. mumble his words and you wouldn't understand him. Eh, kind of a different thing. You see someone act drunk. Yeah. Uh-huh. Yeah. It, and it doesn't feel good to yell at a diabetic. This is why we can't have nice things. <laughs> it's more of a, it's more of an empathy thing. Hey, hey, sit down. We're going to get you an orange juice. We're going to get this blood sugar back. Where's your bar? Why aren't you walking around carrying a bar? <laughs> right? Remember stuff like that. Uh, for you know, I want to bring up. So one of the things that you mentioned in episode one eight seven, you were back at that time. You were doing a set, or not satellite radio, internet radio show. Right. Where's that? I think we did six episodes, and, and that was and, it. Well, I got a call saying that um, the because it was a big 
it was it was almost a network of different stations and the head of the talk station said our contract is up with the network and we're going to pull all of our shows oh. and they were going into renegotiation and then a few months later they reached out and they're like we're going to bring all our shows back because they weren't giving us what we needed as far as uh, graphics as far as support as far as you know being very clear about their scheduling so now that they're they've agreed to really be on top of those things we want to bring some shows back and i went yeah that was i just can't get back into it because you've decided it's time sure um but yeah I no, always, you broke up with me i'm yeah, done yeah eh. uh, plus i was i was probably getting sober and i was like I, i'm too depressed for this i can't oh, i'm i'm not inspired to do this it's up and down for me who the hell knows yeah yeah Okay. Um, just listening back to that, it was. I'm like, wait a minute. You're mentioning this. It was what Dash Radio and DJ Ski. Yeah. I, when you said it then, I had no idea who that was. Now, since then, he does DJing before Vikings games. Yeah. At our oh stadium. yeah. Wow. Yeah. Wow. His front row. I'm a beer vendor there, uh-huh. and I usually work the lower level. I know where his season tickets are that the Vikings must give him as part of his job. Front row in the end zone. Wow. Yeah. I didn't know that. Okay. Uh-huh. Is he from here? Does he have roots here? How would they pick him? Must have roots here? I guess I don't know the answer to that. That's but he's nuts. at every Vikings game. Yeah. Wears a like custom Vikings jersey that has his name on the back and literally is on the, you know. And it's S- S K E E. It's the guy with the DJ Ski. Handsome young guy, short hair, like kind of a buzz cut. Uh-huh. Yeah. Uh-huh. Had no idea who he was. Good for him. Yeah. Uh-huh. I like it. <laughs> so small world, I guess. Very small. You could say. Now, I read Well, no, I before we get to that, when you were like you just used the word depression and there was some sort of, you know, um when everything's leaving your body, some sort of depression. Were you writing then? Um, I was trying to I, I, I was trying to relearn life then. So there's I, I find it very interesting that especially in the world of stand up comedy, unlike any other art form, um, there's this almost pressure to say, well, you have to keep creating during those times. Every other art form, you are totally allowed to like stop and then pick it up again later. Whereas stand up, they're like, what do you mean? What do you mean? You didn't create anything during that time. What, what's going on? Did yeah. you quit? Oh, that's too bad. You should have used that pain. Could have been great stuff. Yeah, but it could have also been awful stuff. Like, you don't know that. (laughs) So I was still getting up. I was still doing sets. I was still um, writing and telling jokes probably for television shows. Um, But I wasn't I wasn't necessary. Well, I was doing editing for an album that I recorded here. Yeah. So I released that. Um, Things were getting done. But I don't I don't know. The writing has been such a. A habitual thing my whole career of just keeping notes and then expanding upon them i know stuff got written <laughs> i don't remember okay. if that had anything to do with my state of being yeah yeah it might have just been out of ritualistic habit of going through life putting stuff in my phone talking those ideas out having a set getting on stage and talking all right but um stuff got created who the hell knows what that stuff was well, okay, well, I was curious if it was anything. I was here. I didn't come and say hi. I got. I showed up late, left as soon as it was done. I was here Tuesday for the show. Mm. Uh, this Tuesday? Yes. Good. Yes. Mm-hmm. That was a fun one. I enjoyed it quite a bit. I liked that a lot. And yeah. then Wednesday was sold out. We had a good time. I heard. Um, 
and then uh, yeah, we're gonna try to get we're gonna try to get that act on an album and get that out to the people. You are okay. Yeah. That's I read I think on your Twitter that you were gonna record some stuff. Well, I always try to record. I'm kind of a hoarder when it comes to keeping documentation, and maybe this feeds into what I told you at the top of the show of like. Well, when I die, I want to leave a list behind of here are the jokes that made people laugh. Yeah. And here's the proof. Um, and I've had therapists tell me like, yeah, why don't you just try to be in the moment and enjoy that? <laughs> what do, why do you need this proof at the end? What's wrong with you? Right. And I'm like, well, I think that's the job. And they go, that's not the job, Ryan. Um, but they're, they're being stupid looking out for my well-being, not my <laughs> legacy. Knock it off. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I always like recording here, and uh, the, they, it always ends up sounding great. So let's do it. We'll do it. You, I noticed you are uh, taking a lot of enjoyment out of once again challenging the audience. <laughs> yeah, that's never going to end for me no. unless I really, really patch things up with my dad. Ah. <laughs> uh. <laughs> If you if you read into the subtext of what's going on while I'm on stage, it's a lot of what do you want from me? What do you want from me? You say you want this thing. I give it to you and you moan. How dare you? And then I do the same thing again. And then you laugh and clap. What is wrong with all of you? Right. Um, who are you? Try who are you really trying to put in their place? Yeah. Right. Right. And. It's it's one of those things where my dad was never a bad guy, was not a bad guy in any way. And as I get older and I I'm reflect on where he must have been, you know, is in his mid 40s and he's got his son going, hey, 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 will you come throw the football with me? You're home from work now. And he just worked a 12 hour shift. And, you know, he, he, just just give me a minute. Give me a minute. Let me read the newspaper. And he would do that. And you know what he would do? He'd pull his ass out of that chair. And he'd try to throw the football for a while. And then he'd be like, all right, I'm done. I'm going in. Um, but the problem was I didn't know what my dad wanted out of me. You know, what, what, do, you, what do you expect of me mm -hmm. as your son? What do you think I should do? And it was, he was just polite and just a nice guy going, yeah, just do whatever. Just do whatever you need to do. What are you interested in? Like if I came to him and said, Dad, I'm going to be an astronaut, he'd be great. Dad, I'm going to be a comedian. Good for you. And it was almost like, Dad, I'm going into battle. Okay, good luck out there. <laughs> yeah, but when do you put down the newspaper and like say, all right, let me grab my sword? Like when do you, when do you show that, oh, you're going to fully support in more than just spirit? Yeah. <laughs> and not knowing... You know, it was it was almost the frustration of any idea that I brought to him and was, Dad, I'm going to be a, I don't know, professional basketball player. He would be good. Hope you work hard on that. Let me know. <laughs> but huh. but no. Did you figure this out? Or did someone... no, oh, this was years of therapy yeah, working this out. This is good. And just kind of a, you know, I think, I think sons want their father to look at them and say, all right, here's, here's kind of what I'm thinking for you. Yeah. This is this is what I expect. Or if your son says, hey, here's what I want to do. They want you to look at them and go, OK, well, how can I help? What do you need out of me? And maybe that was the thing I wanted my dad to say, what do you need out of me? Mm -hmm. And when the, the audience, I want them to say, what do you need out of us? Last night, that as the show started, um, the lights went down. Like they gave the announcements of, hey, please turn off your cell phones and um, no heckling the comedians. Uh, and the lights went down. Lights went down. The announcements ended. And you know what the crowd did? They clapped. 
Nothing had even happened. They hadn't said, please welcome to the stage anybody. Just out of excitement and anticipation, the crowd as a unit went, we're all going to begin the show. We're excited for Perfect. It. That almost never happens. Awesome. Almost never. Um, so that's always a good sign. Yeah. But crowds don't even know to do that. Crowds don't even know. They, they don't read the room that way. When you're sitting in an audience of people and they don't clap and you realize, well, I didn't clap either. Everybody yeah. just goes, well, I guess we didn't need to since nobody did. And when you start recognizing those things, that's when you start to recognize the difference between good crowds and bad crowds. And when you can give a crowd credit for being good, well, there's only one opposite of that coin, which is, well, if you don't do the good things, you must be a bad crowd. Yeah. But what do people say? Well, you can't blame the audience. Well, right. the fuck I can't. <laughs> I absolutely can't. I can and I will because I've seen a lot of crowds. And part of blaming the audience is also giving the audience their due when they're amazing. Yeah. Um, As so, you end uh, your last album. Sure, sure. You give, you give how, the final score. How to be an audience, yeah. yeah. Um, with It's a pearl white cover with an ugly pig on it. If that gives you any idea of how I think of... <laughs> <laughs> it's pearls before swine, everybody. Um, but yeah, if, if people really want to hang on to that idea that you can never blame the audience, okay, well then we also have to say you can't give the audience credit for being good. Mm -hmm. It's all on me. Yeah. I get full credit for every standing ovation. And it doesn't matter if the crowd is smart or stupid. It doesn't matter if they're energetic or lazy. It doesn't matter if they're on coke or downers. Like, you you have to consider the group at some point. Right. But if people say you can never blame the audience, never, I'm like, okay, well, then I can never give them credit. And I don't want to live in that world. I don't want to live in that all or nothing world. I want to look at all those crowds in between. Was it? No, I'm just this is something I listened to a lot of podcasts in the last week. I can't remember who said it. Might have been listening to you on one. Somebody said, uh, might even been on stage the other night. I listened to so much this week. Uh, someone was describing crowds in the 80s. That was me. That was that you. That was on Tuesday. Yeah, yeah. okay. That was part of your set, yeah. right? Okay, yeah. yeah. That uh, I was talking about the comedy club owner who was saying, oh, comedians used to get standing ovations all the time. In the yes. 80s, it would happen all the time, but now it almost never happens. I guess the talent just isn't there. And I was like, really? Couldn't possibly be the coked up audiences <laughs> of the 1980s. Couldn't be that they were quick to their feet yes. at the end of the show and eager to slap their hands together while grinning like morons. No, it couldn't be that we're in the middle of an opioid epidemic now and people take booze and put it on top of their depressants that they're already popping. Right, right. Yeah, couldn't be. No, no, no. There's no way. No way the audiences are different in the past 28 years. What was the what was one of those t comedy shows in the 80s? Was it like a night comedy night at Caroline's or something like that? That sounds You ever gone back and watched those and like I want to see the audience. Look, let me see your eyes, audience. Yeah. Sort of like when uh I mean, rest in peace, but um Carrie Fisher when she admitted like, "Oh yeah, on the set of Empire Strikes Back, yeah, we did coke the whole time." The whole time. Yeah. Uh a lot of those, um, again, with the shelf life of comedy, a lot of it doesn't hold up. And you look at it and you, if you were to compare those old tapes to today's standards, it's actually modern crowds are laughing and clapping more. Think so? I think so. Like a lot of those old tapes, 
um, you you can watch tapes of Ellen DeGeneres at the Improv, and she is not getting laughs on a consistent basis, or the audience just isn't mic'd well enough for you to be able to hear it because okay. technology changed as well. For so, sure. I mean, I've done some tapings where the audience mics weren't working so great, and then it was hard to tell. Uh-oh. That I was having a great set. No, yeah. no, it was great. What are the so, best? So maybe Alan is killing, but you're listening for that crowd response, and, and it's hard to hear on those old tapes. Yeah. So it's it, that's the other problem with leaving a record. The, the record can only be as accurate as the technology will provide. <laughs> One of the other things we talked about... Uh with jokes and writing and everything about is just basically outrage people being i'm outraged and taking things the wrong way yeah do you have anything you want to say about the michelle wolf things you're probably gonna be the last person to ask oh gonna yeah be but i'm do you have an opinion on um, that i read it i just read you the transcript okay. I, I didn't watch it because i didn't i i feel very uncomfortable watching a person talking to a mic with the intention of getting laughter and watching the audience second guess their responses and withhold laughter, knowing full well what the comedian's trying to accomplish. Like, it, it just, it gets so, it, the, the social dynamic of it is so uncomfortable for me. Okay. And and just the the image I had in my head of the press corps tensing up at things and not wanting to laugh, I was like, yeah, I don't have to do this. Huh, okay. Um, but I read the transcript because I wanted to see what the jokes looked like. Yeah. And uh, it didn't sound like she said anything wrong. No. Didn't seem like she even necessarily crossed any lines she didn't i I don't know by what standard you'd have to look look at her work to say that she did something that was over the line yeah i have no idea where people are coming from on that made fun of herself a little bit made fun of herself made fun of the way you know the president has used the media and by the way on the last podcast yes. i don't know if you realize that yeah oh, i kind of yes. called the election you sure did and um i did better than than what's that uh 835 or whatever what's the website oh, um yeah yeah the the nate silver website mm-hmm. um yeah i you i was did. listening back and i was like yeah this this uh, this trump guy is just screaming things and people are going yeah we want that yes and, and you're never gonna get it and here we are year and a half into this presidency and yeah none of that stuff's come to pass none of it right he didn't get you new vending machines no fourth grade class right yeah i know listening back to that and thinking oh my god this was february of 2016 and ryan freaking pretty much nailed it <laughs> yes yeah and everybody's getting you know, oh i know i've been watching trump for years he's <laughs> in this and that and that tv show that i watched and he's always on the radio and on talk shows and on the yeah wow amazing and it was incredible even when uh, people would say, well, you know, Trump Trump had a better campaign than Hillary and he spent way less money. And I go, no, no, he didn't spend less money because he's been putting his name on things for decades. Yeah. That's called advertising. Yeah. And when you advertise to people, they recognize your brand mm-hmm. and it was his brand on the ballot. Yeah. So, um, no, he outspent her greatly. He just didn't do it in the campaign season. Mm-hmm. And now, now there's questions about how he did spend his campaign money. So, mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, let's let's not get into the financial debate about yeah, it. Right. Um, I do think there are um, some benefits to Trump uh, to Trump's victory. Now that we're a year in, I think the country was in need because of all the outrage. Because people are on the internet and talking about you know well this is how i feel and this is how i feel and you need to recognize my feelings to have the country have a moment of uh the the country's going to move on without you 
regardless of your feelings. So remember this lesson for next time. Oh, yeah. And you have every reason to vote against this guy for president. And you know what? He won anyway. So maybe you should reconsider the importance of your feelings and reconsider how you want to approach this world that isn't going to tolerate you demanding things from it. And I, I think that's I think that lesson might be a, a I mean, people took it hard. They're taking it hard. Sure. They're still they're still clamoring for a lot of identity politics and their logic is starting to kind of erode away a little bit because I mean the problem with identity politics is you want you can't just consider one identity you have to do cross identities so it's not just men and women it's men and women of color mm-hmm. then it's just not men and women of color it's men and women of color who are bisexuals and then men and women of color who are bisexuals and poor who live in the south who are traumatized who grew up poor and you know had had a trauma as a child and you go okay how many where do we where do we stop right with the cross-cultural identities where do we stop where do we draw the line and the answer is well you're not supposed to draw lines you're not supposed to exclude anybody and you go okay well then we have to take this to the nth degree and then you find out like okay well we did all the cross referencing of all the possible factors that make up a life and uh, what we came up with was an individual human being turns out they're all different yep. that's what that's what inclusion means we include everybody for all of their differences and we stop and we sit and we listen to everybody for their own individual reasons okay and once we've done that then what do we do <laughs> what do we do then what comes next? And uh, they, I think it's, it's one of the, the cornerstones of identity politics that's not being worked out, which is how, how far do you take that idea? Because they don't want to put a cap on it ever, mm-hmm. but they also don't want to let it go too far. <laughs> so you can't have it both ways. And uh, yeah, it's, it's just going to be one of those conundrums for a little while. But if everybody says, you know what, it doesn't matter. It doesn't matter. Um, how I perceive society to be hurting me, what's going to happen tomorrow for me is I'm going to get up, I'm going to have a cup of coffee, and then I'm going to work on the things that I work on, and I'm going to try to create stuff. Instead of trying to tear down what we already have, I'm going to try to create things. And once everybody gets back on that page again, we'll be better off. But uh, that was not going to happen if... if I don't believe that would have happened had we elected Hillary Clinton. Okay. Simply because... I think it would have just been it would have just been saying, now you get your time in the spotlight. Now somebody else gets their time in the spotlight and give them their time. Now, as far as financing and governing and all this other stuff goes, I didn't vote for Trump. I didn't vote for Hillary Clinton, but uh, that's because I never vote for the primary parties in in big elections like that. Okay, Um, I live in California, so who cares? Right. It's going to go blue regardless. Mm -hmm. But uh yeah, I rarely I rarely get into the political thing because it is all or nothing. It's a very divided game. And I'm always the person going, no, no, no but what's in the middle? Where's the overlap? Mm-hmm. Where do we get along? And I, I worry that a lot of people have forgotten that the reason we have two parties is because they need each other. Not because they're desperately different and are fuck faces who hate each other, even though that's what that's what politics has become and what the media is kind of played it out as but you know it's progressives jobs to pull us into the future and they want to pull too hard too fast too quick and then it's conservative jobs to go wait 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 wait, not so fast we we will do that but we have to consider the consequences and their downside is they consider the consequences for so long 
<laughs> that they're blind to the number of people who are falling through the cracks. And if they had it their way, they would just wait forever. And you go, okay, well, we can't be with the conservative turtle. And I don't want to be with the liberal puppy pulling on the leash, dragging us into traffic. So what do they have to do? You have to leash the puppy to the turtle, and then they have to work together to get across the four-lane highway. <laughs> and only by working together is this going to work out okay. But nobody wants to work together right now. And with John McCain, as sick as he is, like he was a big proponent of that. And even he was forced into a position of playing you know, playing to the conservative base for a while. And you go, God damn it, John, you were a middle guy. What happened to you being a middle guy? Right. Be a middle guy. And uh, he couldn't do it. He couldn't do it. And that's the way it went. I want to, uh, I'm curious, how are you using social media these days? Poorly. Poorly. I I don't do it well. Um, (laughs) I think there was... uh, I, I've always had this idea that if I create something, I should, um, and, and maybe it is that it's that conservative half because <laughs> the liberal half says, well, I should create something new and, and, you know, go forward with this creativity and see what happens. Mm-hmm. Whereas, you know, truly conservative people don't have that. They say, no, 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 get a job as a doctor. <laughs> no, no, no. Get a job as an accountant. Don't don't go out and be an artist. There's you don't know what's out there. You don't know what that future holds. Be conservative. Take a job that you know is going to work out. Yeah. So the liberal side of me pushed me into the arts, and then the conservative side said, "Okay, but when you do something, why don't you take your steps and go real slow and make sure that you have a quality thing that you put out?" And social media isn't that. Social media is just more, more, more. Right now, right now, right now. Here's more. Here's more. Here's more. Mm-hmm. And and I move too slowly to keep up with whatever that is. Okay. So I might put out a tweet every day or every couple of days versus 170 tweets a, a day. <laughs> you know, some people do that. They're just tweeting oh, yeah. all the time. People on Instagram, here's a picture of what I'm doing now. Here's what I'm eating. Here's what my dog looks like. Here's this thing. Here's that thing. And it's a lot of pictures. Whereas I've been on for a little while now and there's... Maybe 200 pictures, maybe. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And they've been slow getting put up. And the participation in social media doesn't feel good. It feels competitive. Yeah, it it does. It feels like you're vying for popularity. And the popular kids are sometimes ignoring you because you're not popular. And you go, well, why am I doing this? This is ridiculous i've had a thing where i have my ipad and my phone out at the same time let's say i'm looking at the ipad and facebook is open someone has just liked something i posted for example then i'll uh, a minute later i'll look over at my phone and i'll see that little notification even though i already fucking know what that notification is it's yeah. like, oh, 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 i better see what the- you idiot uh-huh Fucking control yourself. Yeah. Control yourself. I love you. You know what it is. Uh, and it's nothing. It's just a like. What do you know Simon Senek? Do you know who that that is? He wrote a book called um um Jeez, what was the book called? It was well the the most recent one is Finding Your Why. And the first book was uh Start with Why. Okay. So instead of thinking about what you're gonna do for a living, think about why. Why are you going to do something? Um, But he was talking about people and their cell phones, and he described it like a slot machine. And the brain function that goes into, you know, you sit at the slot machine, you pull the lever, and you pull the lever, and you pull, and most of the time, nothing happens. You're losing money, but nothing's happening. But every once in a while, you win a little bit. So it's exciting. And every time you pull out your phone, you're just pulling the slot machine lever. 
And every once in a while, there's something exciting on there. And so you know what that does? Addictive behavior. You uh-huh. just keep doing it. Yeah. And so anytime you can get through life without looking at your phone, you're kind of doing better. Right. And when I talk about my brain <laughs> never getting a baseline, mm-hmm. I mean, I'm kind of full of shit because, yeah, I'm on my phone just as much as anybody. Sure. Okay. So I'm, I'm, it's a new stimulant now, and who the hell knows what it's doing Yeah. Well, let's, let's see you really freaking make a statement and get rid of your phone for yeah. a year, huh? Yeah. And by the way, I couldn't even really get rid of caffeine completely. Okay. I'm still doing caffeine. Yeah. Stimulant. Mm-hmm. You know, I'm not, I'm not a Buddhist monk. I'm not getting through this life just, you know, free of all <laughs> uh, uh, interference. But yeah. uh, we're trying. Just giving it a shot. I'm amazed at anyone that can. You know how these, um, something weird just happened to me today on social media. Uh, how do I set this up here? You know, like when this happened, what was it? What was the big example? Was it with the president where someone tweeted something about him? There was no at. It was just his name. But because probably either he or somebody's freaking searching constantly, it got to his attention. And then it was like, fuck you. Anyway, that happened to me. I tweeted about someone, a baseball player, Oh, about three, two, three weeks ago about how shitty he played. <laughs> And then he's responded. He liked my tweet today, three weeks later. Wow. Yeah. How'd that feel? Shitty. Did you feel bad? Yes. Because you never intended for him to see that. Of course not. Yeah. I even, and, I rem- and I, I, I'm going to uh, look it up here and uh, give you better details about it, but I even, I remember that right before I tweeted it, because it was a guy, I'll give you the background. It's a, uh, the Twins, Minnesota Twins had a really bad start to the season. Okay. They would lose, like, now they've won, I don't know, five or six games in a row or something. Before that, they were losing a lot. Um, using a lot of different pitchers. Like, guys were coming up. We, there was a week, there were a couple weeks ago, on Monday, the Twins played the Yankees, on the Monday that week, the Twins played the Yankees. They used a pitcher that Friday of that same week played for the Twins. Okay. The very next day, Twins released him. Hmm. So he was on two different teams and no team in one week. Like, we're just using all these guys. Twins call up a guy, this pitcher, and he doesn't uh, have a good game. So I here's what I tweeted. Oh, it was uh, 5-1-18. So not long ago at all. Actually, much closer. What day is it today? Oh, it's like two weeks ago. Not even two weeks ago. Not even two weeks. Not even two weeks. So this is my tweet. So glad I turned on the Twins game tonight. Wow. Hope John Curtis remembers all the details when he tells his friends back in AAA. Oh, oh, well, and by the way, that could be considered <laughs> that could kind of go both ways. You walk the line a little bit. Um, uh, yeah. I didn't say he flat out sucks. No, I didn't call no, him an no. asshole or like, you no. know, screw you. Or... Sure, sure. However, uh, that tweet on like on Facebook, got a little of attention. People that were also watching the twins. I had some comments and stuff on Twitter. Zero. Nothing. Got nothing. And he's the only Until one who's liked it. Until this morning, when it got one like by John, John Curtis, Curtis, the real guy. And yeah. uh, uh, how's he been doing since that game? He got sent, but he got, just like I predicted in my tweet, he got sent down to AAA after the game. Uh, so I was right. Oh. Uh, yeah. You called it. I did call it. That feels real bad then. Kinda. Yeah. yeah. I'm sorry, John Curtis. I know. And by the way, that's not fair. It's not fair that you have one bad game and then you're sent back down. I've had a bad show before. (laughs) And by the way, I've had a bad show. I've had people tweet at me about it. I've had people reach out to me years after the fact and say, hey, remember when you bombed in this place? And I've responded, 
you know what I remember? I remember having a great Tuesday and a great Wednesday and a great Thursday and a great Friday. And then I remember late show Friday being awful as it usually is most places. And then I remember Saturday being great and late show Saturday being great. But yeah, I, I, I can kind of guess that maybe one of those might have gone awry. But that's the funny thing that people don't recognize with comedians. And it's very strange that they don't recognize it. If you if the words that I'm going to say they're it's going to be obvious once I say it. But for them in the show, it's not obvious for them, which is, oh, this is their one show. So whatever happens, that's the truth for them. Mm -hmm. But for me, I go, oh, no, no, no. I went out and I did what I could with this new group of strangers and um I did all the jokes that I had tested on all sorts of groups of strangers right. that usually work, and uh, it was slow going for some reason. And I listened back to the tape, and it, I was articulate, and I was sober, and I was giving them the material, and it just wasn't working out. And uh, there are probably about a billion reasons for that, and I don't know what they were, but I know this. I got on stage the next night, and the jokes worked again. So I don't think it was me, and I don't think it was the material, but for the people there who didn't like it, it was me, it was the material, and it'll always be that fact, always, yeah. and you can never go see that comedian ever again, and you go, no, that was just one bad night, and the idea that you think you understand my life and career from it is so off base, yeah. I can't even begin to understand even where you're coming from on that. Mm-hmm. But that's that's the way people want to hang on to it. And it's almost ingrained in this idea that comedy is a talent. Well, you have it or you don't. It's funny or it's not funny. Again, all or nothing attitudes. Right. And if you have an all or nothing attitude and you don't allow for what's in the middle, for the overlap of, oh, no, no, he told 10 great jokes in a row and then you really hated joke 11. And then you sat back and folded your arms and you were pissy for the next 40 jokes. That's different. That's you. That's not the performer. And by the way, why couldn't you just let go of joke 11 and then reset for joke 12? Or if you needed more time, reset, go to the bathroom, come back for joke 20, and then we'll go again. There was somebody who was upset at the Tuesday show. And his complaint about the Tuesday show was, I came here for some comedy and I didn't see any. I just saw a man making fun of uh, the disabled. That's all I saw. This is real? This is real. This happened two nights ago. That was his complaint, and he was like, I feel like I should get my money back. And, of course, the club went, no, 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 we don't, we don't do that. And uh, you were at that Tuesday show. Yeah. So the opening well, act. It wasn't me. <laughs> so so the, opening, the opening jokes about uh, the internet and then stealing, and then we got into Stephen Hawking. Yes. And we got into Julius Caesar and, and Maya Angelou and Richard yes. Gere. Maya somehow, Angelou. Somehow he's, he's forgotten all of that stuff. Hmm. That's the first like 25 minutes. And he's like, no, 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 I didn't. All I heard was jokes about the mentally handicapped because of the one question I asked about the Down syndrome model. Oh, boy. Uh, that's that was the only time and that was like mm, maybe seven minutes toward the end of the show say, that was towards the end yeah and then i talked about my own disability for a good 10 minutes yes. and then we said good night uh-huh but that was the only that was the only moment and but he for him he was like no it was the whole show it was the entire show no comedy took place at all give me my money back and of course he said he's going to protest and the club went oh please do we would oh love you to protest. Oh, boy. That would be lovely. Yeah. Because that would get us some attention. Uh huh. Maybe some nice press. People want to see what's being protested. They'll show up and see the show. Let's do it. Yeah. Nah, but I, I, I'm not. Controversial be able to do comic Ryan Stout at it again. Yeah. 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 Oh, boy. Yeah. 
fortunately, I think for me, that's been so common throughout my whole career of people just being upset about a joke and forgetting the rest yeah. or taking their own reasons for being upset that I've really learned faster than a lot of the rest of society is, oh, I can't do anything about those people. Mm-hmm. Well, that's it's, good. It's over now. And when Twitter started, people that would say terrible things to me, I wouldn't even think about it and I would block them. And they would be out of my lives forever. Yeah. They would be out of my life forever. And I wouldn't, I wouldn't even, to this day, I couldn't tell you what any of them said because it was gone so quickly. Yeah. That there's no, there's no memory of it. That neural pathway corroded and destroyed and gone. <laughs> I checked to see if John Curtis blocked me. He, he did not. No. Huh. Maybe he thinks you got a good eye. <laughs> you got a good eye. Maybe the twins will see that and want to hire me as a scout. <laughs> you know what's funny, too? The last time we talked, we were talking about uh, the president, and we were talking about presidential impersonators and what's going to happen with, like, SNL. Oh, yeah, yeah. And sure enough, huge controversies over Big... Alec Baldwin on yes! SNL doing Trump. That's right. And it's very interesting, kind of what Rob Schneider said of, like, well, you know where the joke's going to go. Because you know what Alec Baldwin's position is Correct. on the administration. Mm-hmm. And I was pleased to see Alec Baldwin go, yeah, he has a point. It's a fair, yeah. it's a fair assessment of comedy. Uh-huh. And by the way, if you're listening to this, that's the middle area that I'm talking about. It's not this all or nothing attitude of Alec Baldwin going, fuck Rob Schneider. He's wrong forever for even suggesting that what I'm doing might have the smallest flaw in it. And it's not Rob Schneider going, fuck Alec Baldwin for doing this thing about Trump. It's, it's something in the middle where they go, well, this is, these are kind of how the rules of comedy works. This is the complexity of it. And here's where things have gone awry. And everybody goes, no, nah, I didn't see that. Yeah. It's like uh, courtesy and normal discourse between people, and it's not contentious hardly at all, and then it goes away. We get past it, and we go, all right, let's move on. And it also had you say, uh, had anybody say that Rob Schneider had a good point about something. Yeah. Which... Who, the, who saw that coming? <laughs> Where? Turns out, knows a thing or two about comedy. 2018, man. Who yeah, knew? good assessment, buddy. <laughs> who knew? Hey, I was looking through, uh, I was lo- looking for some, um, one thing I do often is, before I do the podcast is I'll just Google search news the word comedy or the phrase stand-up comedy. You'll do that? Yes. I told, I, that was I know, but I've been thing. doing that too. Okay. For different, you know, you were using the stuff like to get the, go back to that episode, listen to that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, I use it to find things like this, like about Dan Schlissel and stand-up records. An article I found today about him saying that, oh, yeah, we make these stand-up records, the actual albums, and I'm basically losing money on them. Yeah. 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 And I know that Ryan Stout... I have, a, I have a record. Sale. I have a, and they they pressed the vinyl on yeah. that, and I've been selling them. Um, I sell them when I'm at this club because I'm in Minneapolis, and uh, you know it's basically you want to leave with a souvenir here. Mm-hmm. Here we go, um, and people buy them. People like them, but it's it's again it's a very strange way for people to think about money of like what does it mean to profit on something like some people think if you up drink prices 400 percent that's not enough you have to go to 600 like they go no no, no we're not profiting until it's 700 800 percent no 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 don't make a couple of bucks off the bottle of dom no make a thousand dollars off the bottle of dom. that's profit <laughs> and so when people talk in those terms of making money i always go uh until you get a little more specific. I don't know what you're talking about. Uh, Dan loves 
stand-up and he loves the idea of the fans being able to have product and so he makes a lot of cool different products Mm -hmm. i had lunch with him two days ago and he was like well what do you have right now material wise that isn't really fitting anywhere else maybe we can do something and we talked about an idea or two he was like oh maybe that'll be a good seven inch record you want to do a seven inch we could do just a little offshoot product and put it in the hands of your fans and make a limited run and who knows and that's totally a viable idea yeah. like he has these ideas he's made weird hat pins for people and patches and and uh sailor caps all sorts of things stand-up records if you go to standuprecords.com you can find all their merchandise and it's a lot of wacky stuff for a bunch of interesting artists and nobody's doing what he's doing but that article about him (laughs) he does have a pallet full of merchandise sitting in a warehouse that isn't making him any money it's Mm -hmm. just sitting there until the people go and find it so i'm let's use this moment to tell the people to go find it Exactly. Do you uh are you someone personally that collects albums, not just comedy, but just anything? Do you have a record player? Um Ryan? I have a record player, I have a CD player, I have a lot of stand-up comedy CDs. I always have. And what got discouraging was th- when it became easier to make a CD, more and more people started doing it, and then the quality of the album began to suffer. Because you've just got a bunch of people going, here, here's mine now. And the sound recording is bad. Sometimes the the actual packaging is bad. Sometimes you get, you order a CD from somebody and they send it to you and it's burned off of a computer and it's in like a sleeve. And Mm -hmm. you go, oh man, this is not the fan product I was hoping to get. (laughs) Um, But that's that's the nature of the internet now. You've, You've got a bunch of people making stuff. And most of it's bad. <laughs> most of it's bad. Mm-hmm. Fair enough. And the people that are making a lot of money are the ones that can make something really shitty and then sell a lot of it. Mm-hmm. So there's almost an incentive to make something shitty. Quickly. Yeah. And the, the, the conservative side of me goes, no, no, don't do that. Don't make a shitty thing. Make a good thing. Because if you make the good thing, that'll make the market want to buy it. Mm-hmm. And then those aren't the rules because the market's buying garbage. And you go, well, what the, what's wrong with the market? Well, we don't know. We don't know. And they just love, they love a t-shirt with a saying on it that is only relevant for a week. You know, there were people that bought merchandise that had some sort of like uh, political saying on it. And you go, well, that campaign's over now. What are you going to do with that shirt? <laughs> Uh, how about your dilly dilly shirts that you paid, oh, dilly, spent all dilly. that money on? Dilly, and you know what? It was fun to say dilly dilly. I don't care what anybody says. It was fun. It's still fun. It's so fun. Are you doing any? Are you doing any hosting? You're you're the host with the most. Um, I'm probably going to start a podcast. Are you really? <laughs> yeah, and I think it's actually it might be based on this idea of. Um, I've consistently cared about these joke controversies that come up between Michelle Wolf and between the thing from two days ago with the, did you see this? The guy in the elevator in London, it's a teacher's conference. They're in an elevator in a hotel and they're going, um, they're going to change floors and they ask somebody which floor. And this guy pipes up and says, ladies lingerie. And the joke is, he's pretending they're in a department store in the 60s. Oh, my dad used to do that when I was a kid. Yeah. We had the, do- in my bedroom when I was a little kid, had the doors that, uh, what are they, they're hidden in the wall mm-hmm. where they slide, kind of like the start, you know. Yes, <laughs> yes. And he would do it like an elevator door, and he yeah. would pretend we're on an elevator. Yeah. 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 And he would do like, just like that, girdles. Yeah. 
Yeah. Well, 4-3. So all he said was two words, ladies' lingerie. And the joke is, oh, you're in the wrong location, sir. Yeah. We all know you're in the wrong location. Ha, 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 ha. But there was a teacher, a professor who went, well, that's sexist and misogynist and I have to write him up. And she wrote a letter and tried to, you know, get him in trouble. And he reached out to her. He was like, hey, I didn't mean anything negative by it. And the whole time I'm thinking, yeah, in 2018, men are allowed to wear women's lingerie. Oh, and that's, that's not, true. you're not yeah. supposed to make a big deal out of no, that. No, 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 um, no. What are you, transphobic lady? He's allowed to make that joke. Um, but he reached out to her. He was like, I'm sorry. I'm, I didn't mean anything by it. And she was like, yeah, I've seen too much sexism and misogyny from white men for too long. And I just can't keep quiet and let it stand. And you go, wow, she just doesn't get jokes at all doesn't understand that it's a it's a it's almost a misdirection joke or it's a comparison joke basically mm-hmm. uh, but that's the heart of it yeah there's nothing to do with misogyny or trampling on women in any way N- like no. how do women get hurt in that joke no i'm not sure Mm-mm. i don't see a victim in there that the only victim would be him he's the one who's out of place right he's right. the one who misunderstood right he's the clown and everybody understands that oh he doesn't get it so that would be the joke but mm, no, no, for her. Well, it's women. It completely makes sense that you would and could and should do a podcast based on that stuff. <laughs> Greg Barrett was just here two yeah. weeks ago. And, you know, and his stuff is relationships. Mm-hmm. You know, I enjoy talking to him about that stuff. He hosts podcasts about that stuff. Yeah. He's written books about that stuff. Sure. It makes sense. He's really good at talking about that. Yeah. yeah. He's had a lot of practice. Yeah. It's almost detracted from his love of stand up. Because he was he was going on the road doing stand up and people were coming for relationship advice. Right, right. And he was like, "No, it's not the time for that." Uh huh. Guys, and yeah. Greg, one of my favorite stand ups, has probably the best album about trying to be a person and then getting older and then going, oh, "I can't be that person anymore." Mm-hmm. And the album's called Uncool, and yes. everybody should listen to it. Oh, I agree. Um, yeah, it was obvi- always one of my favorite albums. But then when he wrote, he's 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 just not that into you. Oh, women showing up with their books, wanting to ask mm-hmm. questions and raise their hands, wondering, like, why are you talking about wearing a sweater? <laughs> right. What is going on here? What's this cardigan shit? Yeah. <laughs> Who are you? Right. You're into rock and roll? <laughs> is, there, uh, is there anything else we should be mentioning here? Um, you know, you got, I see you got some little notes there, like I do. Is there anything? You know, I, I mean, we went, we went through a lot of it, um, just about joke controversies and quitting drinking and... Democrats and Republicans need each other. Like those it, are like those it, like are the it. notes I've got. All right. Um, I have so many more. No, I'm. Um, you know what? There's one more thing I want to bring up to you. I'm sure you saw this was the other uh, other comedy story that was kind of big this week. Ken Jong saving someone's life. A woman in the audience having a seizure. Yeah. And he gets out and helps. Yeah. Have you ever experienced a medical emergency um, while no, on stage? No, and, and I don't have the credentials to help. So, um, Would you like to sign up for a first aid class? Well, what's what's really interesting is people give stand-up, com- stand-up comedians a lot of attention anytime they do something that's not stand-up comedy. And I'm really, really baffled by that's it. That's you're going to take this? Yeah. I mean, it's almost <laughs> consistent that, you know, I know you want to say that they're writing an article because he's, he's this stand-up comic that did something. And I'm like, he's getting the article for being a doctor. 
<laughs> that's what he's getting the article for, for doing the thing that he's trained to do, that he went to school for. Like, that article gets showed to children like, you should be a doctor, not you should be a comedian. Yeah. Um, I once saw Ryan Stelt hold the door for someone, and I thought, where did he even get that? Well, how did he do it? What the? I mean. What is this? These comedians are different now, holding doors for people. I am this guy for good reason. <laughs> uh-huh. Um, it is... I, I heard a story about Greg Proops on stage someplace where someone had a heart attack and they had to be wheeled out on a gurney and then he had to continue the show. But, you know, he doesn't have the skills to, like, jump in and and resuscitate a man. Yeah. Um, but the best part about that story, from my understanding, was that guy who had the heart attack wrote Greg a letter later saying, I'm sorry I ruined your show. <laughs> I didn't I didn't mean to. <laughs> like he was somehow responsible for his heart attack, which he's not. Yeah. And uh, this is something I believe happened in Scotland. This would never be something that happened in the U.S. In the U.S., they would have sued him for giving him the heart attack. Right. Yeah, yeah. Right. You're getting a lawsuit, Mr. Proops, yeah. for being too funny. Uh-huh. Um, there, was, there was a controversy at the Laugh Factory in Hollywood. There was a, a guy videotaping Dave Chappelle, and they went over to him. They're like, sir, you can't videotape in the showroom. He was like... Uh, excuse me, this is evidence. And they're like, I'm sorry, no, you can't, you can't videotape those. You're on private property. He's like, if he, if somebody laughs so hard they die, this is evidence of a crime. And I, the club, the tensed up because they're like, uh, we don't know what to do. I'm like, yeah, you know what to do. Slap the phone out of his hand and say, a crime hasn't happened, so you can't have evidence of a crime that hasn't happened. Right. And by the way, you're on private property. These are our rules. Get the fuck out. Yeah. You can't tape the performer. We told you that. These are our rules. You don't get to just bring the law into this because you feel like it. But, you know, they, of course, wondered and consulted a lawyer. Like, could we really be sued if somebody laughs their, themselves to death? Again, great publicity for a comedy club. Uh, which, which... I think is why they, instead of telling the guy to fuck off, they went to a lawyer and then had a big article about it. Yeah, right? Yeah, of course. Of course. (laughs) Get the club's name out there. Uh Uh-huh. Have people having this debate with the Laugh Factory name associated with it. Yeah, Yeah, of course. I think if somebody dies from laughing during your show, your next show, the MC reads that. Mm-hmm. And, you know, before they introduce you. Yeah. Yeah. You're watching at your own risk, everybody. You know, like most things in life, you walk out of your house at your own risk. Yeah, this is just like that. Yeah. You know, normal stuff. Yeah. You used to get eaten by lions. Well, now you could laugh to death. <laughs> the world is cruel. Suck it up. Mm. And People... up until that last moment, it's going to be the greatest. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. yeah. You'll be one of the happiest people to ever die. Yes. Ever. Exactly. Ryan, thank you. Yes. Uh, episode 493 in the future. We'll get there. We'll do it. And uh, 493. And uh, people got to come and see you. If there's still tickets left, come see you this weekend. Yeah. At Acme. At Acme. Friday, Saturday. We'll, we'll record the shows. And if your laughter is amazing, then we'll... We'll put it out onto the the comedic record forever. There you go. And if you want to be an asshole and not clap and yell out, well, then that will just get changed in editing. Yeah. You can't you can't fuck with this. <laughs> Thank you. Thank you. <laughs>